Let's turn to uh, Psalm 3. We've been in air for quite a little while. But I hope that... Um, <clears throat> I was thinking, I was thinking uh, yesterday that uh, we've been in Psalm 3 for quite a while, but if it's any comfort, uh, Dr. Lloyd-Jones used to spend weeks on one word in the Scripture. So we're doing pretty good compared to that. But... Um, Let's read through it just by way of reminder. The inscription above Psalm 3 says, A psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. So this is when Absalom is leading an insurrection, a powerful insurrection against David. And um, this, is, this is David writing this in the midst of this insurrection. O Lord, how many are my foes? How many are rising against me? Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Here's the passage we're going to be looking at this morning. <clears throat> Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. And Lord, we pray your blessing be upon us as your people this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the peace you give to us through Christ. Yeah, sometimes we have a hard time accessing that peace. And our hearts are more on the antonym side of agitation and irritation and anxiety. But God, we thank you. You've given us peace. Even when we don't feel it, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. You have taken away the hostility. You have paid the price. Lord, now I pray that as we look at your word together, that you will stir within our hearts a holy excitement for what you have for us and how you want to use us to fight the good fight against the enemy. We pray this in Jesus' name for his glory. Amen. Well, as I said several weeks ago, the Lord had put the word fight on my heart. And, um, and I find it interesting. He then led me to Psalm 3. As I mentioned earlier, Psalm 3 is written at a point where everything looks lost. Everything looks lost to David. Um, he and his men are running for their life. The other army is more powerful. Um, and there's so much to that story if you want to read it in 2 Samuel. It's just an amazing story. But at this point in time, all the momentum, all the power, all the odds are stacked against David and on the side of Absalom. And yet David trusts in God. And we hear that in Psalm 3, this amazing trust in God that David has. And, and I think that the church can relate to David in Psalm 3 because... Right now, this is not the church's most glorious hour, at least in America, and I think around the world. I think the church is struggling right now. 
I think um, the Bible says we're in a spiritual warfare. Whether we want to be or not, whether we believe we are or not, we are in a spiritual warfare. But our fight is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. It's against spiritual powers. What Ephesians 2 says um, are um, the prince of the power of the air and, and demonic forces that are, we don't see them. We can think they don't exist, but the Bible says they, very, they really do exist. They are very real. And so we have this war going on, this fight going on, and they are constantly warring, constantly warring against the church, against our souls, against the name of Jesus Christ. And I think in some ways, right now, it feels like the pull of the enemy is stronger than the pull of, of the gospel. The power of the enemy, it feels like it's got more momentum than the power of the gospel. And we could be discouraged. But Jesus says, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And we have the power of the Holy Spirit within us. So this is a day where Psalm 3, I think, speaks to us. Everything looks against David, but he finds hope and trust in God. And he finds fight against the enemy in God. And that's where our fight is. That's where we find strength to fight. So we're, gonna, we're learning from David. <clears throat> And there are four fight strategies I see in this psalm and, uh, that are relevant for the church. We've already looked at two. The first is this. He declares with boldness the truth of God's word before he sees the truth of God's word in his life. We declare the truth of God's word before we see the truth of God's word in our lives. Because the enemy builds strongholds with lies. He builds these strongholds in our minds, in people's minds that chain them and imprison them. And they are lies. And Paul writes in 1 Corinthians that we tear down those strongholds with the truth of the gospel. The second strategy is we cry aloud to the Lord. We looked at that last week. We pray. Pray, pray fervently when you can. Pray out loud. And don't be afraid to pray short prayers because short prayers can be powerful prayers. The third fight strategy is this. I'm going to read it, then I'm going to read the verse, and then you're going to wonder, how did you get this from the verse? But here's the third fight strategy. Fight against evil by doing good in the power of God. Now, here's the verse. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. For you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. And I don't blame you if you're wondering, how do we get fight evil by doing good in the power of God from a prayer? Arise, O God, strike some cheeks, break some teeth, knock some heads together. How did you get that from that well i want you to stick with me and i think i think it will be clear david's war while spiritual in nature was very physical in nature he fought on a real battlefield a physical battlefield against men warriors who had swords and spears and shields and they fought and the way david overcame was they died and he didn't that was his battle the New Testament reveals the Christian fights on a very different battlefield. We fight a different animal, uh, animal. We fight a different enemy 
on a different battlefield with different weapons. That's why believers need to be really careful not to jump in with all the social media and fight with sarcasm and anger and bitter words and canceling people and cut it because that's not the way we fight and those aren't who we're fighting. So we end up alienating precious souls when we fight on that battlefield. So, but our fight is against a different enemy on a different battlefield with different weapons. We've been looking at some of the weapons. Romans 12, 21 gives us another weapon. Paul writes this, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's a fight. We're talking fight. Don't be beaten. Don't be overcome by evil. But overcome, fight, beat, destroy evil with good. David's weapon to overcome evil was to fight better and kill. Our weapon is doing good. We overcome evil with good. I want to share with you a real-life example from American history that I think will give handle to this whole idea. In the 1700s, there was a pastor named Peter Miller. Peter Miller pastored a church in Ifratah, Pennsylvania. And he actually became friends with General George Washington because Washington would, would visit Ifratah quite a bit. And so they became friends. Living also in Ephratah was a man named Michael Whitman. And Michael Whitman made it very public that he hated Peter Miller. Hated him. In fact, on one occasion, he struck Miller in the face. I've been pastoring for a lot of years. I've never had anybody punch me in the face over a sermon or for any reason. But this guy punched him in the face. He also spit in his face. He hated Peter Miller. Eventually, Michael Whitman was found guilty of treason and sentenced to hang by General Washington. When Peter Miller heard that Michael Whitman was sentenced to death, he woke up early on the morning of his death, and he trudged 60 miles through the snow to Valley Forge in order to ask Washington to pardon, to spare Whitman's life. Washington replied, he said, listen, I cannot spare your friend's life because he has been sentenced by his treason. And Peter Miller said, my friend, I do not have a worse enemy in all the world than that man. And when George Washington heard that Peter Miller got up early in the morning and walked 60 miles in the snow for an enemy, he said, that changes everything. And he gave a pardon on the spot, wrote out a pardon on the spot for Michael Whitman. Mike Miller took that pardon, and he then hurried to the scaffold where Whitman was just about to be hung. When Michael Whitman saw Peter Miller coming, he said this. He says, there is old Peter Miller, 
He has walked all the way from Ephesus to have his revenge gratified today, seeing me hung. And he barely spoke those words when Miller showed the hangman the pardon and Whitman's life was spared. And guess what? Right there on the scat, they hugged and became lifelong friends from that moment on. You see, Miller, Peter Miller, destroyed an enemy by making him a friend, by doing good. He overcame evil with good. That's what we're called to do, doing damage to the kingdom of hell by helping damaged souls find healing, find wholeness, find peace. Emptying hell by populating heaven. You see, the fight we fight is not a fight of, I want to hurt my enemy. Well, I do, but my enemy isn't that person who disagrees with me. My enemy is the prince of the power of the air. And the weapon I fight with is doing good to that person who may hate me, but I am not to hate them. That's how the church fights. When we say the word good, we we can think of a lot of different things. We can use the word good as faint praise. We say, you know, how was that new restaurant you went to? Well, it was good. It, it, it's not exactly as good as it was great. So to us, good can mean faint praise, but in the Bible, good means something stronger. I would say it actually means something stronger than great. See, God is great, but he is also good. It was God's goodness that passed by Moses. Well, Moses couldn't even look at the brilliance of God's goodness or it would have fried him. He saw just the back of his goodness pass before him. Goodness speaks of moral purity and loving nature. Greatness speaks of God's power, his majesty, his glory. But goodness speaks of his moral purity. He is good. And a goodness is an expression of love. Wanting what's good for somebody is an expression of love. When we sing of the goodness of God, which we will in a few minutes, we are singing of the, the loving posture of God's heart towards all his creation. He wants good. He wants what's best for all of his creation. He always wants what's best for you because he is good. And that's what good wants. Evil wants the worst. Overcoming evil with good is doing what is best for others. But here's why I say we fight evil by doing good in the power of God. David, in, in verse 7, he prays, he says, God, rise up, save me. Strike the cheek, break the teeth. But you know what David's about to do? David and his men, they're about to go to war, and they're about to strike some cheeks and break some teeth. So he's asking God to do what his army is about to do, and that's the way it works. We call on God to rise up, then God calls on us to step up and to do our part. We do what we can, God does what we can't. 
Now, I want to say we're talking about overcoming evil. We're talking about fighting the good fight. We are not talking about how we get saved. We do not get saved by good works. We do not get saved by doing good. There is no amount of good we could do. We are saved only through the good work of Jesus Christ on the cross. He alone is able, was able, to pay for our sins and forgive us our sins and cleanse us our sins. So we do not approach God hoping we are good enough for God. Because we're not. We are sinful. We are forgiven. We are cleansed. All by the work of Jesus Christ. So that's our salvation. Salvation is Jesus plus nothing. But progress in our sanctification, our getting to be more like Jesus in our daily experience, progress in our, our victory in spiritual battles are the result of our cooperative work with the Holy Spirit. His work, His power working through us. And that is how we see it in Scripture over and over again. Jesus said, you, they will see your good works and glorify your, God, your Father in heaven. Our good works will bring light to the glory of God. It will imitate God's glory. This God working through us. Save us, God. Strike some teeth. Break some teeth. And now we're going to go and break some teeth in the power of God. Doing good, overcoming evil by the power of God. Let me give you one more example. If you open your Bibles, you don't have to do this, but if you open your Bibles to the book of Acts, chances are your Bible reads this. This is the title of that book. The Acts of the Apostles. I've heard people say over the years, it really should be read the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And I totally get what they're saying, but that doesn't do it either. Because the Apostles are doing it by the power of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is doing it all through the apostles. So neither title works. You need to have the acts of the apostles by the power of the Holy Spirit, but that would be a little too long. The Holy Spirit working through us. We need His power. He has chosen to work this fight through us. And so the Holy Spirit working in us to make us good. That's the first work for us to overcome evil with good. God has to work in our hearts to make our hearts good. To purify the agendas, the selfishness, the sin, the anger, the bitterness, the lust, the greed to purify all those sin-bent agendas to make our hearts truly good, where we truly do care and love and want what's best, what's good for other people. That's the work, the beginning of the work of the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit uses us to sow goodness and good wherever we are. I'm reading from Galatians chapter 6, verses 8 through 10. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. 
Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. That's how we sow to the Spirit, by, by the Spirit doing good, sowing good. So how do we do good? How do we fight evil with good? I want to I just share a few thoughts that uh, hopefully can be practical for us and, um, and, and hopefully give us some direction. And then we have to take this and say, God, you make this, uh, apply this to my particular life, my particular situation. The first thought is this. Look for opportunities right where you are. Look for opportunities to do good right where you are. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good. Sow goodness in the field you're in. Do good where you live. That's, that's the opportunity you have. That's the opportunity I have. So in our field, in our circle, in our life, there are those we can, we can do good in. It, it could be helping someone in need. Doing good. It could be reaching out to someone who's lonely and becoming a friend to them. Doing good. These can be life-changing good things we sow into people's lives. How about this? Break the destructive direction of conflict. That's what Peter Miller did. The, the conflict was going in a destructive. He broke the destructive direction of that conflict. One of the ways we can break the teeth of the enemy is by forgiving someone who's hurt us. Do you know that? Forgiving someone who's hurt us. So that the enemy can't get a foothold in our lives of bitterness, anger. See, when you are bitter towards someone else, nobody's hurt by that more than you are. It eats you up. It eats me up. And so forgiveness is a way we can break that destructive direction. Or asking someone to forgive us when we've hurt them can break the destructive direction where it's just building and anger and words and, and, and broken relationships and all that. And then all of a sudden we break that destructive direction by giving forgiveness or asking for forgiveness. Sow goodness in the field you're in. If you're a young mom or a young dad, that is a lot of your field right now is sowing good and love and care into your child. Encourage someone. Encourage somebody. Notice something honorable about them, something honorable in their character, something that they're doing, and encourage them. Not phony. Do it from the heart. Thank God for them. Now, I want you to notice that nothing I've mentioned is earth-shaking. Nothing I've mentioned is something that's like, So much of the good we are to sow is going to be small seeds here and small seeds there. 
And then if we do not give up, we will reap a harvest as the Holy Spirit brings to harvest eternal good from that. So I want to just encourage you, don't compare yourself to someone doing amazing feats of goodness. Just do as you have opportunity. Whatever your opportunity is, that's what God wants you to take advantage of and do good. I love the story of the NFL wide receiver, Art Monk, when he was inducted into the Hall of Fame. I've shared this story before, but I just love it so much. Now, he's inducted into the Hall of Fame as a wide receiver, and that's a level of greatness none of us in this room will ever attain to. When Art Monk's son got up to introduce him at the induction, his son said this. He said, one of the questions, one of the questions I get asked the most is if I want to be like Art Monk when I grow up. After sharing about his dad's life off the field, he closed by saying, do I want to be like Art Monk when I grow up? I'd rather be like Dad. I'd rather be like Dad. Art Monk was a great football player. But he was a good dad. And that's what left the deepest impression on his son. So good in the field you're in with the opportunities God has given you. Secondly, don't confuse good with nice. Don't confuse good with nice. I have at times railed on the word nice, but I'm not going to do that. I think nice is nice. Amen? Nice is kind of a personality thing. It's not a character quality. It's a personality thing. Some people are nicer than others. Nice means agreeable and pleasant. Okay? So if you are an agreeable and pleasant person, you are a nice person. If you are not agreeable and not pleasant, well, you might want to work on that a little bit. But nice is a personality thing. Some people just aren't as agreeable as other people. And here's the thing. Nice is nice until it isn't nice. Because sometimes overcoming evil with good means saying the truth in love to someone who does not want to hear the truth in love. They don't want to hear the truth. And standing, sometimes good means standing for what's right when it's not wanted, it's not liked, it's not popular, it's not considered nice. See, nice has no real big, deep, convicting quality to it. Sometimes nice can just be the fear of man. I don't want anybody to not like me. But good is a moral quality that you can slice the heart right down the middle, and it's good. Obviously, none of us have that heart, but God is working that into us. So I want to I share, especially for young people, there are going to be times when everybody is doing one thing, saying one thing, believing one thing, and God is going to say to you, I want you to stand for the opposite. 
I want you to stand for something they're not standing for. I want you to say something they don't say and believe something they're not believing in. Because it's good. Think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When Nebuchadnezzar said, I'm going to play some soft music. When I play this soft music, I want everybody to bow down to this idol I've created. And he began the music, and everybody bowed down except three men. Now, we read that story, but put yourself in that position. Here's what all those people who are bowing down, they're looking, especially the peers of Shadrach, Meshach, and they were teenagers. And there's young men and there's young women who are down there and saying, what, why can't they just go with the flow? Why can't they just do what everybody's doing? Why do they have to stand up when it's clear we should all be bowing down? Why can't they just be nice? Because they were too busy being courageous. Because they were too busy being good. We live in a time, and especially young people, where to stand for what's good and to do what's good in the eyes of God will put you contrary to crowds of people. And you've got to decide, do you want to be nice or do you want to be good? Don't confuse good with nice. Thirdly and lastly, don't be surprised if doing good gets tiresome. Paul goes on to say, let us not become weary in doing good. I think he knows sometimes sowing that seed of goodness, sometimes doing good, it gets tiring. It gets tiring. Especially when you're not seeing a harvest come up right away. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. What's the proper time? Well, when you sow you don't get a harvest immediately. And that's true when we sow good by the Spirit. We're not going to see a harvest immediately. We may not even see a harvest in the areas that we sowed in. But we will reap a harvest. Sometimes we want to reap, we don't want to sow. Paul says you got to sow good. And every opportunity you get, and you will reap. Sometimes you're going to get weary. Sometimes you're going to feel like giving up. Sometimes you're going to just say it's not worth it. But God says it's worth it. You will reap a harvest. The Holy Spirit in us makes this not a heavy burden. Not a legalistic weight. We're not doing good to earn points with God. We're not doing this to get God to love us. Because God loves us ferociously apart from anything we do. And we want to spread his love to others who need to know his love as well. So I just want to say, when we're talking about doing good, it is possible for the heart to take it into legalism. I've got to do good. I've got to be good so that God will love me. No. 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 God loves you. And you can never be good enough. That's why Jesus came. 
we don't do we don't do good or be good in order to receive God's love but because we've received God's love we are called to do good so don't be legalistic don't be comparing yourself with others don't do it out of guilt but I want to say this don't be fragile either don't be fragile about doing good like okay I'm tired it must be legalism I'm going to stop up stop doing it don't be fragile about it keep sowing if you're weary Paul doesn't say if you're weary that's got to be legalism stop doing it he says go to God ask God for grace and keep sowing keep doing good keep depending on the spirit to lead you keep asking him to show you the opportunities he's giving you keep asking him to help you take advantage of those opportunities keep breaking teeth keep striking cheeks i love that example but not of people but of the enemy by doing good when we're doing this when we're when we're breaking the teeth of anger with patience we're striking the cheek of 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 hatred with love we're heaping burning coals on our enemy by showing them kindness by doing good to them we are overcoming evil with good and that's what god has called us to do you see one last point i want to share sowing good is not just about your life getting good. In fact, it's more about their life getting good. You're sowing good into their lives that they may reap the effect of that goodness. Our harvest isn't going to be all about us. It's going to be about others whose lives we affected by sowing good. And as we sow good in the name of Jesus, God uses our lives in ways we may never know on this side of eternity to reap a harvest for eternity. And that harvest isn't going to be all what we get. It's going to be people whose lives have been touched and changed. And there ain't nothing better than that. And there ain't no more important reason to live than that let your good works so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your father in heaven they might see the imitation of our God in our lives as we close this morning I want to ask the band to come back up I want us to kind of spend a little time in worship together and we're going to sing songs about the goodness of God and as we do, I want you to just kind of take your seat and turn it into a place, an altar, and ask God, first of all, let's focus on the goodness of God. Do you know God is good? He is so good. Focus on the goodness of God. Let your heart meditate. Let your heart marinate in the goodness of God. But at the same time, at the same time, maybe ask the Lord, Lord, are there fields where you're called me to give to sow goodness? Or maybe fields, I'm sowing good into those fields, but Lord, I'm not seeing a harvest. God, would you help? Would you help? Would you bring that harvest? Or maybe I'm tired, but God, give me new strength to sow goodness into that field. God has called you in a very unique and special way to sow good to the Spirit. So let's stand together.
and let's sing these songs and let's allow the Lord to encourage our hearts with his goodness and then also to inspire our hearts to leave here to go into the mission field and to sow the good that God has for us to sow. good shepherd if we were able to see every bit of your infinite heart there would be no shadow of turning nothing that's not good <clears throat> no bit of you that wants harm or evil to befall your creation or your children so Lord as we sing these songs help us to trust in your heart. Lord, I love that old saying, when you can't see God's hand, trust his heart. Maybe some here, they don't see what your hand is doing in their life. In that place, help us to trust your heart. Help us to know the goodness of God. And then God, help us to go and imitate our Father and so good wherever we have opportunity. be looking at a situation in your life and saying, I don't see good in that. And your heart might be tempted to think, if God allows that into my life, then he must not be good. Don't believe that for a moment. God is good. Suffering does enter our lives. We live in a fallen world. Brokenness is all around us. But the Bible promises us that God is working all things, all things, all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That is those who believe in Jesus Christ. So he's weaving everything, including what looks to be bad. He's weaving it into good for you. So trust him. Trust him. Go ahead and share your heart with God. Go ahead and be honest with God. He wants your honesty. There are times when we can say, God, I don't understand this. God, I don't see this. But I trust your goodness. Help me. Lord, I pray as we leave here that um, 
you will really deepen our that sense and confidence in the goodness of our Father, the goodness of our Savior, and the goodness of the Holy Spirit working within us. And then, Lord, help us to go out and let's break some teeth by doing good in the name of Jesus. Help us to see the opportunities. Fill us with the Spirit. Help us to take advantage and do good and not get weary. We leave here, Lord. Help us to apply this message, we pray, as we go. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I know